Now this morning I, I want to start with a question, uh, just a simple question. What is God up to in your life? If you can answer that question, what is God up to in your life? How would you answer that question? How have you answered it right now? What is his goal with your life? What is his mission in your life? I think this is one of the most important questions for any human beings, any human being to, 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 to answer, to give a clear answer to, to understand it. And if you can't give an answer to that, you will struggle to make sense of life. You will struggle to understand the blessings and challenges that you are experiencing. Just as a human being, but especially if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to struggle in your Christian life. Unless you can be clear on that question. What is God's mission in my life? Now, I'm pretty sure if I went around this room now to get answers, don't worry, I won't do that. But if I did, I'm sure I would get lots of different answers. But I want to tell you that if you're a true follower of Christ this morning, there is really only one answer to that question. The mission of God in your life is to make you more like Christ. That's what God is up to. He's about transforming you to become like Christ. And when you get that, it changes everything. In fact, it turns your life upside down. If you don't know Christ, it will lead you to repentance and to truly trust Him. If you're a believer, it makes sense of your suffering. It makes sense of your blessings. It will guide the goals. It will guide everything you're doing in your life. To understand that what God is doing in my life is to make me more like Christ brings clear perspective. Now, if you've been with us in Colossians, I hope what I've said hasn't surprised you because this truth has been taught to us already. Perhaps I haven't always stated it as clearly as that, but Paul has taught us this truth already in different ways. For example, in chapter 1, he prays for the Colossians to be like Christ. Do you remember we looked at Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 to 10? And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. What has he been praying for? Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. You may know what God desires for you. You know, spiritual wisdom, the wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives and understanding. Why? So as to walk in the manner worthy of the Lord Jesus, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So your life will be more like Christ so you can please him. That's what Paul is saying. In chapter 2, Paul explains that growing in Christ is walking in Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 7. We looked at this wonderful passage. It's the a, it's a, it's a heart of Colossians. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Walk in him. How? Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Do you see that? It's about him, walking in him, being rooted in him, becoming like him, Paul says. In chapter 3, Paul says, "Oh, true followers of Christ are put on a new humanity that is now being conformed to the image of Christ, our creator. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 to 10, it says this. We've looked at these verses. Do not lie to one another, 
saying that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being what? Renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Hello, Jesus. So all true followers of Christ are meant to grow in becoming like Christ. That is what God is up to in your life. Now, over the last few messages in Colossians, we've been looking at what becoming like Christ actually looks like in practice. How can I know that I am growing in Christ-likeness? Paul tells us how we can know in verse 12 to verse 15 of Colossians chapter 3. We'll be looking at this. We are growing to be like Christ if we are growing in having a compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, gentleness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, inner peace and and peace with others, love. Those are the virtues. But how do we grow in these Christ-like virtues? Okay, that's how it looks like growing to be like Christ, but how do we do it? How do we put on these new Christ-like clothes? Well, the answer is in today's passage. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let me just read it again for us. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You know, what Paul is saying is this. Growing in Christ-likeness is actually a community project. It happens by allowing the message of Christ to fill our lives together. We don't grow in Christ by ourselves. We need other believers to grow us, to help us, to support us, to teach us, to admonish us. And we need to teach them and admonish them, all centered around the message of Christ. We do this together. Now, I want us to learn this truth, that we grow in Christ by allowing the message of Christ to fill our lives together. I want us to learn this truth, but we're going to learn it in two messages, because it's so important. We're going to look at it in two messages. Today, we are looking at the command itself. This command to fill our lives with the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll focus on the first part of verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Next Sunday, we'll look at the second part of verse 16. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This is teaching us that we need each other to grow in being filled with the message of Christ. That will then, in turn, transform us to become more like Christ. So this morning, let's look at the first part, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And the key truth this, those words are teaching us is simply this. We grow in Christ by the message of Christ filling our lives. We grow in Christ by the message of Christ filling our lives. Now, you may be wondering when I've, by me just saying that, Shola, verse 16 doesn't say the message of Christ. It says clearly the word of Christ. 
So where have you got message from? Well, in the original translation, the word for word is logos. Which can also be translated as message. The word Christ, of course, is a title of the Lord Jesus. Christ is not the son name of Jesus. It is his title, like King Charles. Right? King is not... Charles, in fact, is not a son name of Charles. It's his first name. But King certainly is not his first name. In the same way, the Lord Jesus is Christ Jesus, King Jesus, Christ the Messiah, God's true and chosen and only King. So the word of Christ in verse 16 is the message that proclaims the Lord Jesus as our true King, our true Messiah, the King of God's chosen, holy and beloved people as we are called in verse 12. The Apostle Paul is using this phrase, the word of Christ, as a shorthand for the true teaching about who the Lord Jesus is and what he has done for his people. It's a bit like when we say, London, when they read in the media we say, London's position on this issue is, we don't mean the city itself, that's just a shorthand for the country. London is the capital city. So, the political structure in the nation. So, it's a shorthand. In the same way, the word of Christ is, is a shorthand for the true teaching about who the Lord Jesus is and what he's done for his people. In fact, it is everything that Paul has taught us in chapter 1 to chapter 2 about the person and work of Christ. If you've been with us, what have we learned from chapter 1 and chapter 2? First of all, we have learned that Christ is 100% God and 100% man. Chapter 1 declares that, the verses we read at the beginning, uh, from chapter 1, verse 15 to 23, is the image of the invisible God. He goes on to say, all things were created by him and for him, right? Christ is the God-man. He's 100% God and 100% man. We have learned that humanity has rebelled against God. All human beings enter this world under the wrath and judgment of God. We enter this world with guns pointed at God because we've sinned against him. But Christ is God coming to reconcile us by his body of death on the cross. That's chapter 1, verse 21 to 23 declares that. We learn that the death of Christ saves from sin all those whom the Father gave him to serve. Christ serves his people. He makes them his holy beloved in him. We learn that the resurrection of Christ makes all whom God has saved in Christ to repent from sin and become part of his new humanity or his new creation. We learn that all who are in Christ are the first fruits of a new humanity, of a new creation. In which Christ is preeminent over all things. A, world, a new world in which all things will be reconciled to Christ. We learn that Christ will usher in this new world because Christ on the cross defeated the evil supernatural powers that holds this fallen world under his grip. We learn that in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. 
And we learn that the message of Christ doesn't stop there. We learn that Christ has ascended into heaven. And is sat at the right hand of God. And all who trust in Christ are now mysteriously there with him. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. We are united with Christ. His story is our story. His death is our death. His resurrected life is our resurrected life. His ascension is our ascension. And his second coming will be our second coming. His glory on that great day when Christ descends in glory will be our glory. We learn that in chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. Christ is coming when we shall be physically with him forever. Now, in the meantime, Christ is working to transform us into his glorious image by the Holy Spirit. He's making us to live out in practice our new humanity. We learn that in chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. So that is the work, that's the person and work of Christ. But there is more, of course, to that, isn't there? That's just from chapter 1 and 2. And I haven't even summarized everything. But more than that, the whole Bible speaks to the person and work of Christ. So there's more for you to discover as you study the Bible. And essentially what you find is this. The message of Christ, particularly as taught to us in Colossians, is that Christ is all we need in life. And all who truly trust in Christ really do have him. Now, when Paul says in verse 16, he says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What is he saying? But what he's saying is this, let the true message of who Christ is and what he has done, what he's doing and what he will do for you, live in you to the full. Let it be at home abundantly. This is what this phrase dwell richly means. In the original language, it really means being living to the full, being at home. Paul is saying that, that the message of Christ in your life is not like a guest coming home briefly for Sunday roast, just over lunch. Nah, the message of Christ already lives permanently in your house. What you need to do is to allow this fellow resident to truly be part of your life every day. The Colossians and all true believers have already received and believed in the message of Christ. You, you can't be a true Christian without believing and trusting the message of Christ. So a true Christian already has this message. The Colossians have already received the gospel. What Paul wants is for them and us to grow in grasping the true message of Christ and to grow in allowing this message of Christ to shape how we think, how we feel, and how we act in this world. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, when you go to the hotel sometimes, uh, they ask you, don't they, at the hotel, whether you are going to eat every meal at the hotel, what do they call that? Full board, right? If you're there in the morning, lunchtime, that's full board. You are 
all in, right? They ask you that. Or whether you just prefer to sleep there and, and get out and do other things. And most of us, I'm sure, choose. It's too expensive sometimes in the hotel. We choose just to be half bored, right? Uh, just, just sleep there and eat out some of the food in Rome or wherever we are, you know, just to, to take in everything else. Well, actually, what Paul is saying here to us is be full bored. Be full bored with the true message of who Jesus is and what he's done. He's doing and do for us. Don't be affin with the message. Take it all in. Take in the full experience. Let it change you. Let it transform you. Live it out every single day. Let this be the air you breathe. The message of Christ in your life must not be like a teenage son who just stays in his room and only comes out for dinner time only. That's half bored. Now, says Paul, let the truth of the person and work of Christ do life with you. Let it get you up in the morning when you don't want to face the world. Let it be at the breakfast table as you talk with your family members. Let it come out. Let it follow you as you sit down with difficult clients at work. Let it shape how you drop off kids at work. Let it fill you as you wash the dishes or do other house chores. Let it be there with you as you're jogging or you're at the gym. Let it shape how you speak with the difficult person at the checkout at Lido. Let it come out as you sit down. I'm not saying Lido are difficult checkout people. I'm just saying. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? It's just an illustration, right? Apologies to any who love Lido. I love Lido. I'm just saying, right? The point is let it come out. Let it shape your everyday life. Let it come out as you sit down for coffee at Starbucks with a sister or brother to encourage them. Let the true message of who our Messiah is to us and who we are to him envelope your life. Let it shape how you suffer. Let it shape how you enjoy your blessings in life. Let it fill your life to the brim. Let it permeate your life. From birth to death. And as you allow, Paul is saying, this message to live in you, what will happen is that you grow to become more like Christ. Remember what I said at the beginning? What is God up to in your life? To make you more like Christ. Well, as you allow this message to live in you, you will become kind like Christ towards those who are suffering. You will make time to help them. You will grow in being Compassionate, hearted like Christ. You will be willing. You will grow in being humble like Christ. You will be willing to let your name be trodden down under the feet of all people. If Christ Jesus will be glorified by that. You will grow to be meek like Christ when mistreated. Instead of being filled with self-pity and constant sulking or even worse, retaliating. No, no. You will be meek like Christ. You will grow in being gentle like Christ towards those hurting and those who are struggling with sin. You grow in patience like Christ towards difficult people in your life. As the message of Christ fills your heart, mind and soul, you bear with minor offenses of people around you. You forgive like Christ forgives because he has already forgiven you. 
You will grow in the agape love of Christ. You will grow in having inner peace. That results in living at peace with people around you. We've looked at all of these things, haven't we? From verse 12 to verse 15. Because that is what growing like Christ looks like. Growing in Christ is about allowing the true message of Christ to completely permeate and fill our lives. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, nothing that I've told you is new here. I haven't told you a single thing that you have not heard before. You already know that. You know that a true Christian is not simply a person who says, I pray a prayer. That's not a true Christian. You know, a true Christian is the person who is putting his or her full weight on who Christ is and what he has done for us in his death and resurrection. I trust that if you've had even one sermon in this church you had already, and you've slept through the others, you have already picked that up. You also know that we grow in Christ-likeness by... Letting the word of God shapes all our life. Because the Lord Jesus is the heart of the word of God. And in fact, we can say the message of Christ is really the gospel, isn't it? And in fact, it is the totality of the revelation of God's word with respect to the person of Christ himself. I state that precisely because, yes, it is the whole word of God, but there are people who misuse the word of God, don't they? And our Jehovah's Witnesses show up yesterday at the house and they were opening the Bible, but they were not speaking the message of Christ. I was very happy they knocked, by the way, because a little boy asked me a question like, I'm, I'm digressing here, but he asked me a question that, what do you think the world is going to? I said, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> and so I gave him a good five to six minute presentation of the gospel. Then he asked, what do you make of Revelation 21, verse 3 to 4? He pointed to me. I tell you what, this is my favorite part. One of my favorite parts in the Bible. And I, gave, I, I was able to open it to him, so we had a good fun like that. Please pray for them that they come to know the Lord Jesus. The boy's name is God, Esa. I was able to tell him about, his, what that, what, about King Esa. So, yeah, I just pray for the young boy. His name is Esa. Anyway, digressing. The point I was making is that not everyone who uses the word of God uses it in the right way. Right? And so, it's not simply saying the message of Christ is the word of God. It's the word of God applied with Christ at the center. Right? And you know that already. And my point I'm making is that you know a true Christian is a person who's putting his full weight on who this Christ is. And what he has done for us as revealed in the word of God. And you know that growing in Christ-likeness is by letting that word of God shape your life. Right? You know all of this already. So why do you need to hear it again? Now, I hope your answer is, yeah, yeah, child. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I mean, why are you telling me this? I know this already. So obvious. I hope that's not your answer. I hope you already know why I'm telling you this. I'm telling you what you know already. It is for the same reason the Colossians, who were full of faith, 
who are full of love and full of hope, because Paul mentions that in chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. He thanks God for their faith, love, and hope. They had all of that. But they still needed to hear this truth as he gets to chapter 3. And you still need to hear it for the same reason. You need to be reminded that growing in Christ comes by allowing the message of Christ to fill your life. Why? Because there is a part of you that, although it knows this truth already, it is resisting this truth. There is a root of fallenness in you. The Bible calls it the flesh. There is a part of you that does not want the message of Christ. Yes, you may have been truly been born again and trusting in Jesus, but there is still a root of fallenness remaining there. There is remaining sin. The Bible we, we, sometimes is called. That doesn't want you, the remaining foreign nature that doesn't want you to dwell richly on the word. It doesn't want the word of Christ to dwell richly in you. There's still a part of you that doesn't want to become more like Christ. Shocking. The message of Christ says God is your holy and righteous creator. It says you can never make yourself right before God except through the Lord Jesus Christ. It says your only hope in life is the finished work of the God-man. It says it's no more you need in life. It's no more of you you need in life, I meant to say. You need to rest only in Christ alone. The message of Christ says you must deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow him. It, must, it reminds you that you must keep looking to yourself, not to, keep looking to him, I should say, not to yourself. Right? It reminds you that there's a lot of repenting to be done every day because the Lord Jesus who has saved you is at work to make you more like him. Sadly, there is a part of your fallen nature that opposes his truth. There is a part of you that doesn't want to keep hearing that. That true message of Christ. And as a result, you sometimes don't read the Bible as you should to grow in this knowledge of Christ. You don't come to Sunday morning services as regularly as you should. You allow other things in your life to take priority. Why is that? Because there's this root of fallenness that opposes the message of Christ in you. As a result, you don't come to Bible study to know more about the message of Christ. There is a part of you that is not taking up opportunities for you to gather with the women or men or youth fellowship to hear more of the message of Christ. Why is that? Because there's a root of fallenness in you opposing this message of Christ. There's a part of you that is not interested in structuring a routine in your home with your wife or your husband or your children to pray and read the message of Christ together. Why are you struggling with that? Because there's a root of fallenness in you that is opposing that. The tragedy, beloved, is that even for those of us who love Christ, there is still some Philistine 
in us. There is still some Philistine work in our lives resisting the work of God. We've been talking about that in Bible study, haven't we? The opposition of the Philistines, the people of God in the land. And the tragedy is, in our lives, there's still that Philistine work. Resisting the true message of Christ. Refusing, hearing it, but refusing to let it fully shape us. You know, there's a part of us that loves to know loads about the Bible. But without it shaping us. I think it's David Wilkerson said that you... A, 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 a Western Christian has heard enough to save all of China. In fact, only one, I said, 1% of what a Western Christian knows is enough to save all of China. It's not, a, you know enough. The problem in your life is not that you don't know the message of Christ intellectually. You've heard it preached. But there's a part of you that doesn't want to put it into practice. And this opposition, of, as I said, is from our flesh, but it is also from the world around us. We are living in a world under the power of the ancient enemy, Satan. And the world has its own message, its own preachers. And it is screaming that message all the time at us. And this message can be summarized simply as this. The Messiah Christ is out of debt. He's not fit for modern society, the world says to us. And we see it all around us. If you've been following the news in Scotland, you've seen what has happened to a godly woman there, the two-year-old Kate Forbes. How they have put her under the bus for living and breathing the message of Christ. It's not just in politics. We face opposition in the church. There are many so-called churches which are nothing more than synagogues of Satan. Some are telling us now that we don't have to take the Bible seriously. Some are saying we, we shouldn't read the Bible as a word of God. We should understand Jesus was a product of his time. So he can teach us about who God is. We can change pronouns for God as we see fit. He, can't, he has nothing to tell us about sexual ethics. People in so-called churches. Others are saying you can enjoy your sin and still go to heaven. You can have Jesus as Savior, but not as Lord. Some are teaching that Christ exists to make us prosperous. The best life now is our genie. Do you see? You've got the flesh against you. And you got the world and its sermons, and it is offering a Christless Christianity. Now I know, as we sit here, we don't subscribe to that. Intellectually, we don't. But to our shame, we often join them by how we live. You and I don't always live like we believe the message of Christ. Is true. The Colossians face the same challenge. The challenge of listening to the world and this man-centered ideas instead of the true message of Christ. And we looked at Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. Paul warns them 
in chapter 2, verse 8. Don't let anyone take you captive by worldly philosophies. So they needed this reminder today. You need this reminder today. And so God has brought you here this morning to be reminded of it. And he is saying, focus on growing to become more like Christ. And you must do it by letting the true message of, of the person and work of our Messiah, Jesus, drive your feeling, your thoughts, and your actions every day. Now, the good news is, if you are a true follower of Christ this morning, everything I've said resonates with you. At the call of your being, you're nodding. Maybe not physically, but at the call of your being, you're nodding. The Holy Spirit within you testifies, this is the living word of God. Walk in it. If you're a true follower of Jesus. In fact, your spirit is excited by it. You're not saying boring, move along. You're saying, I want to hear more of that. Because you are alive. Again, back to Jehovah's Witnesses. Yesterday, I asked them, what is sin? They said, sin is missing the mark. I said, it's worse than that. Sin is death. You are dead. You're dead. You need the life of God. You need the Holy Spirit. The third member of the Trinity to make you alive. And I said today that... True Christian is a person who has risen from death with Christ. God has breathed new life. You are born again. And because there's life in you, that life wants to grow. And so as I've been speaking, you're saying, yeah, I agree with that. I desire to grow to be more and more like Christ. I weep for my sin. I weep that I find this so difficult. I want to be more and more like Christ. You want to grow in being like Christ? You want to allow the message of Christ to fill your life? And you're probably already asking, how do I do it? Help me here. How can I do more of that? How can I grow, right? How can I grow in this area? Well, three things. They're on your outline. The first thing you must do is to thank, first of all, thank God for the wonderful message of our Lord Jesus. Beloved, you have not really heard the word of God if it hasn't first of all moved you with gratitude. If you have listened to a message or any, a sermon or you read a book and it's about Christ, you have not really taken it in if your first response is not, worthy, worthy, worthy are you, O Lord. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. The first response to the message of Christ, when we understand how wonderful it is, is gratitude. Oh, friend, beloved, thank God for the message of Christ. This is the message that called you to Christ whilst you were dead in sin. This is the message that made us cry. Save me, O oh Lord, or I perish. I trust you know what I'm talking about. 
This is the message of Christ that delivered you from the eternal flames of hell. And placed you firmly in the loving embrace of our great God and Father forever. Thank God for this, for the message of Christ. Thank God that the message of Christ is also what keeps you in the faith. It is the sweat of the spirit that crushes our doubts and cuts our enemy Satan to his knees. The message of Christ is the milk that nourishes our spiritual strength. It is the true food of life that strengthens our faith when we are weak. Thank God for the message of Christ. Thank God that the message of Christ is the only fire, isn't it? That burns within our bones like it did with Jeremiah. We can't keep it in. It fires us up to share Christ with the dying world. It is the hammer, isn't it, that shatters the hard rocks of unbeliefs in our lives. It is the only lump to our feet. It is what keeps us on the narrow way to heaven. Thank God for the message of Christ. Are you thankful this morning for the message of Christ? Are you thanking God for the Bible in your hands that preserves this wonderful message of Christ? Oh, beloved, come this morning. Go before God. Whisper to God now. Thank him for the glorious message of the gospel. And for his grace, beloved. Paul says, you know, it pleased God to reveal his son to me. Do you ever say that? It pleased God to reveal Christ to me. You can sense the gratitude in Paul's words. Are you thankful that God, by his grace, has revealed his son to you? Adore God for this. So first response is adoration. The second thing you need to do is to repent. Repent. Repent for not taking the message of Christ seriously all the time. Repent that you often take it for granted. Repent that you often take for granted who Christ is and what he has done for you, what he is doing, and what he will do for you. Repent for some time not placing a high priority in knowing Christ. Not merely knowing about him, but knowing him. Repent that you don't take time to plunge in the treasures of his holy word and, and perfect word to know him more. Repent for how literal you read your Bible. Repent that this past week, perhaps you've only read the Bible twice. How can you only read it twice? When this message is the word of life. Repent for having so much head knowledge of the gospel. And yet being slow in letting this gospel shape you and transform Beloved, repent for not allow for, 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 for not allowing the, the message of Christ to shape how you do your own life. And there I say, repent for slipping to the holy message of Christ when it's preached to you. Just as I have to repent every Sunday for not preaching it as clearly to you as I should. We have a lot of repenting to do. 
We must repent for how poorly we share this wonderful message with the dying world. We must repent for our lack of seriousness in making Christ known. You must repent for not taking advantage of the wonderful opportunities in this church to sit under this life-giving message. Repent for all those Sunday evenings missed. All those Bible studies missed. All those disdain of the Lord's Supper and taking it for granted. Repent even now for not being baptized when you should. And make sure this is true repentance. Because what is repentance? It's metanoia, isn't it? Repentance is 180 degrees. You are going in one direction, you've turned around. If, if all you've done this morning is said a prayer, you haven't repented. Repentance must be a change of heart. Change of direction. Oh, beloved, let us not take God for a fool. Let us not take God for a fool. We dare not come before God with our hearts. Let us approach our God with a genuine desire to now live differently. I was listening to a message on, on, on my podcast on, on, on the, I think it was the third commandment, taking the name of the Lord in vain. And I think sometimes we take the, the name of the Lord in vain. Just when we listen, we say, Amen, Amen. We don't mean it. There's no change in us. Let's take in the Lord for a fool. We must mean what we say with our words. Gratitude. Repentance. Finally, prayer. Pray to God for help. Our God is a God of all grace. We are still the harper of his eye. Right? The heart of Christ still beats peace for us. His blood shed on that cross, that Christ has shed on the cross, has cleansed us forever. The way to him has been opened, and it shall never be shut for the elect. So we can go boldly to him this morning. We can beg our loving God to make us grow in knowing and living out the message of Christ, and our God will hear us. So let us go to him this morning. Let us pray for fresh strength to love Christ. Say to our God, Lord, I don't want to be content to know just so a little about my precious Jesus. I want to know more. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Say to God, look, Lord, I don't just want to be fed in week in, week out, and then just be, I don't know, spiritually fat with my head. I, 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 I want to exercise what I hear. Make me to want to be like Christ. I believe if you genuinely pray that this morning, you truly repent, truly pray for help, God will answer you. But it's got to be genuine. It's got to be genuine. So do it now. Now, as I come to an end, I know that some of you hearing this, none of what I've said strikes a chord with you. Yeah, I know. You can't relate to what I'm talking about. You know that. You know there's no yearning in you to, be, to know Christ. You're longing for a better life. 
You want to grow as a person, right? You want progress at school? You want to progress at work? You want to have a better family? You want to, have, you want to do well in your hobbies, whatever those are? You want progress in your life because God has created you as a creature of progress. And yes, you even want a deeper spiritual experience, I believe. All human beings do that because we all have a spiritual hole in our lives that only God can fill. As a human being, you are not a physical being having a spiritual experience. You are fundamentally a spiritual being having a human experience. The real you is spiritual. So you, like everyone else around you, longs for spiritual experience, for a deeper spiritual experience. And if you're honest, though, you cannot say you're looking to Christ. Nothing I've been talking about for the last 40, 40 minutes resonates with you. Why? Because you're not yet a Christian. This is boring to you because you haven't yet repented and come to true faith in Christ. Apart from the weakness of the preacher, of course. I give the preacher 5% for boring. But 95% essential is that you're unconverted. You are not longing to grow to know Christ more and what he has done for you. I understand that. Because you can't make it up. You can't make yourself love Christ. You have no new life. You are not yet born again. You are still dead in your sin. The wrath and judgment of God is resting on your soul as a result. The devil is your father. And you spend eternity with him in hell forever. Away from the presence of God. That's the reality. But by the goodness of God, you are here today because God has made a living way available for you. You can, this very moment, be truly born again. You can have new life this morning. You can have new longings for the message of Christ, to grow in it. If you repent of your rebellion against God and ask God to forgive your sin, to give you new life because Christ died for you, God, this very moment, will do it for you. The question is, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want life with God? And crucially, do you accept this message of Christ? Well, if you do, go to Christ now. Right now. Cry out to him to forgive your sin and give you new life. And when you become a true Christian, wow, you start longing to grow and allowing this message of Christ to completely fill your life. Do it now. So then to conclude what we've looked at this morning, the truth we have learned today is that we grow in becoming like Christ by doing what? By allowing the message of Christ to fill our lives to the full. That's what we've learned today. It is as we allow the message of Christ to fill us that we grow to become more like Christ. Now next week, 
we look at the second part of verse 16, which teaches us how we can help each other to grow in being filled with the message of Christ. Because remember what I said at the beginning? Growing in Christ is a community project. There's help available. And God has placed us alongside each other to encourage us to grow in that. So we'll look at that next week.